Stand by for action. Welcome back to the Punk Toy Die Podcast. I'm Tom. Neil, say hello. Hello. Saturday morning here. We're not going to number this one, right, Tom? Because we, no. we keep fucking things up and putting them we out of order. We keep struggling, struggling yeah. to put them in order, yes. Yeah. But, uh, of course, Punk Toy Die 77 at Gmail, Punk Toy Die Facebook page. You can follow us and do all that kind of stuff. Neil, our guest today, a uh, fun fact about our guest today, I originally asked him to come on the podcast about four years ago. Four years? Holy shit, that's about when we yes, started. Yes, it was about four years ago, so this has been a long time coming. So, of course, we've been raving about the Drowns. We're both big fans of the band, and we've had Rev on twice now. Yep. He's the he's the gruff voice singer. The other singer is Andy Wiley. He plays bass, and he's sort of the smooth, sort of classic rock, classic rock voice of the band, I would say. How are you doing, Andy? I'm great, man. How are you doing? Good. I'm glad, I'm glad we could finally put this together. How'd you, so, how, how would you like being described as the classic rock voice of the band? Well, no, I, I don't know how else to describe it. You know what I mean? You, you, if you listen to the band, you know the difference. Yes, oh, you, definitely. You know, Fuck well, some, some people know the difference. I've definitely had some interesting reviews. We had one guy, I think he was in Canada, who just assumed that Rev sang everything and that when it was my songs that he was doing a bad impression of Dave Wakeling. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Well, I remember when I wrote a review of Under Tension, I'd never heard the first record. And I wrote the review, and I'm like, yeah, one guy's got like a gruff street punk voice, and the other guy kind of sounds like, and I obviously had no personal knowledge of you guys. I'm like, the other guy kind of reminds me of like a young... Uh, like, like the dude from Stiff Little Fingers or something like that. It kind of gave me that vibe. And uh, But I did, I, I looking back at it, I did it so cavalierly. Like, it was just so, you know, I just kind of threw it out there. Like, there was no, and then you, you never think about these things that you might actually get to know somebody that you write about or run into them later on. And then you're like, oh, shit, what did I write about their band? I, I can't remember. <laughs> but you guys have always been on the uh, good receiving end, so. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah man. So, dude, Jake Burns, really? I wouldn't have that reminds me a little bit of something like that, like Jake Burns or or like uh, maybe Damn. Pete Shelley or something like that. Yeah, I've gotten Pete Shelley a lot. Jake Burns, I've gotten a lot, but I think if you're only listening to closer to current Jake Burns, then that makes sense. Where he yeah. kind of lost yeah. the gruffness and he's yeah. a lot, yeah, sort yeah. of sweeter sounding nowadays. Well, you kind of go up and get the your songs are maybe a little higher key, maybe a little you know where Rev's kind of down in the down in the street punk uh, growling range. What's funny is actually Rev has the higher voice of the two of us. Does he? Yeah, huh. he just he just has that gravel voice, so people assume that it's lower, but he's actually ah, gotcha. higher. And generally, I'll do a low harmony on him. <laughs> so, so obviously, you guys have been down. The first album came out in 2018. I don't know how long before that you were together. Probably at least a year or something, right? No. Uh, so we actually got together. We started the band, me, Rev, and another friend of ours, uh, Kevin, who helped us kind of start writing, um, in probably fall of 2017. 
uh, just as success was sort of slowing down. Um, and then Jake joined in the beginning of 2018. Literally, he flew in from L.A., I think, three days before our first tour. That's your drummer? Yes. Yeah, Jake okay. Margolis. Um, and so we rehearsed for like three days. We had our set written uh, for that, and we did one show on my birthday. Uh, so yesterday in 2018. Yeah, happy birthday, man. Thank you, man. Um, we played one show in Seattle, one show in Portland, and then went to Sacramento and started recording the first album. Hmm. So it was within a week of meeting Jake. So wh which band did you beat in previously? Uh, I was in a band called Success with Rev for about three years, hmm. uh, playing keyboards. And then previous to that, I was doing a lot of sort of bluegrassy folk country kind of stuff around Seattle. Hmm. Uh, okay. and then I did horror punk stuff before that. I just had a long so, musical life. So you play the keys, too. So you'd be like, like uh, John Paul Jones kind of a thing, huh? Uh, I don't know if I'm quite that. Going back to the classic rock level. thing again. Holy Going back shit. To the <laughs> Damn. So so the did was Rev the front man of success or were, were who who sang in success? Did you have a different singer? Did you sing or who sang in that band? Uh no, that was Rev. Yeah. Okay. He, so success was going for I don't know, almost fifteen years before I joined. Oh, okay. Um, so I was replacing their keyboard player at the time who switched over to guitar. Hmm. So, so rather than what made you decide you wanted to do a new thing, rather than if, if Rev was theoretically one of the primary songwriters or the primary songwriter and the frontman at that point, you just wanted to go a different musical direction, or how come you didn't just keep success going? Did uh, so you lose was, a key member? No, no, it was nothing like that. All, all it was was um, two of the guys in success, the bass player and the drummer, both great guys, uh, but they have families, you know, they had new kids uh, at the time gotcha. um, and they worked, you know, big boy jobs working for like Microsoft and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and so they just didn't have the time to commit to touring anymore. And both Rev and I, that's all we've ever done is tour. So we couldn't really stop doing that. Mm. So the Drowns was just a way for us to continue putting music out and staying on the road with the intention of success continuing. Um, but it just, success kind of dwindled down. And the Drowns got really busy really fast. And so we've just kept going. The Drowns, mm. is, a, the Drowns is a much better name. Success sounds like, <laughs> if you say success to me, it sounds like one of those 90s Brit. Britpop bands or something like ah. that because they were all one word, you know, quick hitters, right? So yeah. the drowns is a good one. Success well, is okay. a lot harder to Google too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Yeah. So, so you guys have a new album coming out. Obviously, like by the time people hear this, the record will be out. It comes out Friday. It comes out in six days. Yep. Why don't we play a song from it, Neil? Uh, sure. Um. Which one? Uh, he picked out five, five or six songs. Which one should we play first? There. What do you think, Andy? Uh, let's do "Just the Way She Goes." I think that that was the first video single we we dropped for this one. "Just the Way She Goes." Okay. So who who wrote this one? I wrote this one. Okay. And what's this? What's this one about? Is it self-explanatory or what? Uh, pretty much. I mean, it's pretty classic sort of American <laughs> songwriting, I guess. Uh, life lessons via cars. Um, so there's, there's lots of cars on this one, right? Yeah, and that, that was kind of part. I mean, we'll get into it more, I'm sure. But our producer Ted really wanted this to be sort of a big party album, 
um, mm. be a le- little less dark and sort of moody. Mm. Uh, we've we've kind of gotten caught up in politics for a few records, and uh, he was like, "Look, man, I think I think if we want to go wide and get more people into this, let's." You know, there's a lot of bands that are doing angry punk rock records right now. Not a lot of bands are doing upbeat, happy, like party records. It's true. Um, and so, yeah, part, part of that was just kind of going back to both of us uh, grew up on like 50s, 60s rock and roll mm-hmm. and, and 70s glam and all that kind of stuff. And so we really dove deep into that and went in that direction. And so uh, just the way she goes started out actually as sort of a letter to my little brother who had some issues with addiction and homelessness and was just going through a really rough patch so it was, it was kind of a letter to him saying to you know stick it out you know life gets better um if you just stick stick to it and keep pushing you know wow well there cool. you go that explained that one so all right let's listen to the first one from the drowns new album blacked out uh this is just the way she goes Just the way she goes 
was the first one from the Drowns today. That was uh, Just the Way She Goes off of the new album Blacked Out, which is out February, Friday, February 16th, I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I just got my, I just got the uh, digital downloads today. Tom's had it for a while. I know that Tom's had it for like a month. I think I've had it for about a month. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's it's excellent. Like you said, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said it's a party album, but I certainly would have said it's certainly upbeat. And um, I don't know, man. I just I just I've listened to it twice now, and I love it already. So hey, a, lot, a lot of little uh, a lot of what they call those uh, uh, Easter eggs. You know, a lot of little rock and roll kind of classic rock. Easter eggs in there to pick out if you're a fan of, of music, and I always I always enjoy that. Yeah, yeah for so, sure. So tell me, how's the so how's the songwriting go? Does uh, do you guys write together, or you write your songs? Rev writes his songs, and has that changed since you started? Or because you seem to be, I don't know if you're singing more songs than you did on the previous records, but I don't know. It seems to be like maybe you have, or at least on the last EP, you did like half the songs, right? Um, yes, we, it, the songwriting kind of changes depending sort of song to song. Most of the time, if uh, if a song is, is Rev singing primarily, then Rev wrote it. Gotcha. Um, uh, likewise, for, for my songs, there have been some where we've traded off or helped each other write stuff. Um, the song uh, Lost Boys of Suburbia, Rev wrote all of the music and sent it to me, and then I wrote the lyric and vocal on it. Um, but primarily... Yeah, if, if if I'm singing, I wrote it. If Rev's singing, he wrote it. Do you, do you when you start out, you know, you're going to do, you're going to have twelve songs on the new record or whatever. Is it like I get four of them and Revs get eight, or is it just like whatever songs sort of make the cut? You know what I mean? Is there sort of a, 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 a is there any pre planning, or is it just based on how the songs come out? No, it's not really pre planned. Uh, the first record, View from the Bottom, was a straight half and half split. Um, under tension i think i had three or four songs on lunatics was kind of a different scenario uh because that was initially supposed to be a full-length record um and that would have been more heavily my songs on that one i think i had six Hmm. on that um but because of the way that it got released where it was chopped down to the six songs on the ep and then everything else was sort of parted out into splits um it became a half and half split. Now, was there any was, was there any reason for that? Like, what? Why? Why did that not go to f- full length? What, why did you take some of the singles off of it or whatever? Uh, I think that was mostly a label decision. They they huh. saw that a lot of bands were doing more EPs, and based on sort of Spotify numbers and that sort of thing, they saw that primarily listeners only listen to the first three or four songs off of a record, and then you get diminishing returns on the rest of it. And so they hmm. wanted to try and give the songs as much of a chance as they could. So they did the six songs and then parted out the rest. See, but that's really interesting to me, though, because, I mean, we all know uh, that artists barely get a cent from Spotify. So, mm-hmm. what, so, so what difference would that make? Like, what, why it's would a, anybody care? The, if, the if CEO of Spotify, Neil, said it's all about the quantity of releases. Yeah. And I, I'm sure the CEO of Spotify is a son of a bitch, and I don't want to take any of these things too seriously. <laughs> but he said it's all about quantity. You just kind of be constantly. So I think you're better off dropping bigger quantities of stuff. But I'm sorry, Andy, that was your question, not mine. No, you're right. I mean, it, the way the numbers work, it's just you get more attention off of a release, right? So if we release an album, it's going to get the same amount of eyes as if we release a single. See, that's it. That's interesting because, ta- I mean, we, we've said, uh, price-wise anyway, these days, 
it almost doesn't make sense to, to put singles out because they're so goddamn expensive. They're so expensive. They're almost as expensive to make as an album is, right? So um, I, maybe Pirates Pirate? can do it cheaper. Oh, well, know. since they press their own, they must because they're still selling theirs for like seven, eight bucks. Oh, true. And okay. everybody else is going twelve, fifteen dollars <clears throat> for a single now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm with you. I'm an album guy myself. I, I was pretty bummed <laughs> that didn't come out as a full length. Um, but yeah, generally, I I don't even buy singles for the most part. I I'm a I'm an album dude. Yeah, and that, you see, and that's a, and that's a drag. So I wouldn't get to. Well, I can stream them, I guess, but I wouldn't get to hear some of those songs now if I unless I had the seven inch, I guess. But anyway, that's that, that's just well. A, the, by the, the reason buy. we talked about you know, getting singles when we were younger, and you know, I'd go to all these punk rock shows and buy seven inches for like three dollars, but it was the price point. You know, it was because you could get oh, yeah. into the singles so cheap. If you take that away, yeah, you might as well get a full length, right? Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, singles were ninety nine pence. I mean, that's what it was. I could buy it with a pound pocket money. I was set every week. I could buy something new. So, but yeah. things are well, different. These days, things are different. Yes. Yeah, I have. I did put up. Uh, so on our Spotify, I have a playlist that I made that just has everything that we've released. So oh. if you want to hear all of it, you can listen to all of it in chronological order. Oh, that's 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 good to know. <coughs> um. So yeah. So how how many songs do you have on this new record versus versus Rev? Do you have do you have six? Is it six and six or? Uh, no, I think I only have. Th- Three on this one. Wow! So, so you're, you're, the, you're the Steve Diggle and Rev is uh, Rev is uh, Pete Shelley on this one, huh? <laughs> yeah, it would appear that way, huh? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah it is, was... it, well, it is kind of interesting because yeah, you kind of have to check your ego and everybody and just let let the songs kind of rule the day, right? You know, some some years maybe he comes up with more songs, some years you come up with more songs. Yeah, well, in this one we did in a very different way than we generally do, where um, Ted, the producer. We really let him kind of run with this one. Hmm. Um, he's an incredible guy. I don't know how much you know about Ted, but he's pretty success. He's a pretty successful producer. I assume he's kind of expensive to work with. Uh, he is, which is why splits and EPs we do with other people a lot of the time. <laughs> um, but I mean, the guy's incredible. He's done a ton of stuff for Dropkick Murphys, and uh, he did. Um, he got a Grammy for working with Old Crow Medicine Show. He mm. did like the Violent Femmes last record. He's done just tons and tons of stuff. Mm. Incredible guy. He was the original guitar player for Flogging Molly as well. Okay, uh, I, I, I thought there was a Flogging Molly connection. Okay, yeah, and then he also produced arguably their their two best records as far as I'm concerned. He did Drunk the and first two. No, he didn't do Swagger. He he did um, Flo- uh, Drunk and Molly. Yeah. Yeah. Or within a mile of home. Uh, within remember. a mile of home and uh and Yeah. So what's his last name? Is this somebody we should know? And where Hutt. was he uh, Ted Hutt. Ted Hutt. Hutt. Oh, I've seen that name before, yeah. So where was that? Was that was that in Seattle that you recorded it or was it somewhere else? No. So he works out of LA, so we, we have to go out to uh, Eagle Rock in, in LA to record with him. A place called King Size Sound Labs. Hmm. Well, the album does sound great, but you obviously listened to him if he said he wanted a party record. I mean, does that mean that you yeah. had some other songs that weren't so 70s party-oriented and they got cut? Is is that what happened there? Yeah, so basically what he had us do is generally what we'll do is we'll write the full record, we'll rehearse it at home, and then we bring it to L.A. and we kind of work on it. Uh, with this one, he just had me and Rev each just write as many choruses as we could. Uh, so we did, uh, all in all, about 100 choruses. And then wow. 
dwindled that down to about 12, 13 songs and then started working on them a little bit at home. But really, we did almost everything in pre-production. So he was there from sort of the beginning of every song uh, as opposed to just sort of working on something that was already done. Uh, But with that, he had some sort of parameters that he put on it that we don't usually do. Usually it's just kind of a free-for-all. We write what we write and then pick the songs. And this one, um, he had sort of very specific ideas as far as, like I said, don't be too political or um, try and make it sort of as wide-reaching as we can. Make um, Really, it came down to catchy choruses was, was the, the idea and then build off of that. Um, and so, yeah, we had about a hundred of those and a lot of mine, I mean, I'm pretty bad about going poetic or trying to be a little too highfalutin with shit. And so he, he kind of knocked me down on that. Just like, no, nah, man, keep it simple. We're trying to make a, a fucking party record. So, hmm. so, I mean, you, 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 I mean, do you have, you recorded 12 or 13 of them, but the rest of them are still probably bouncing around your head somewhere. I mean, you got a pretty good start on the next record then, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know about what Rev has. I know he had. I mean, he had a ton of choruses that I heard, but I didn't get to really hear what his fleshed out stuff was. I know I have. I fleshed out probably twelve or thirteen songs in a demo form at home, uh, and then I have a couple of little side projects that I'm working on right now to try and release some of those other songs. But so, what kind of thing is that? Like a like a solo thing, acoustic thing, or is it a different kind of band situation? I have a couple things in the works. One was um, I have some really good friends that used to be in a band called the Gruesome Boys out of Longview. Um, that at the time that I was doing a band called Church for Sinners, it was a, a horror punk thing. They were kind of doing horror themselves, um, and so we're kind of trying to work on another horror project for fun. Uh, so some of it will go there, uh, and then I am playing around with some songs that I was kicking around pre-drowns that have a bit more of like um, sort of a bluesy folk sort of Tom Waitsy sound. What I I did love about the new record um, is again, it's I say Buzzcocks, it's also very Clash-esque in that you got the Strummer Jones thing going on. The fact that we do have different vocalists on the songs and stuff and it never, even though it's a cohesive drowns record, Every song is a little bit different. Like they all don't blend together at all. So that's one of the things I most love about it, actually. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so with twelve songs, like, was that a is that a conscious decision that you were going to put twelve songs on the record? Um, not necessarily. I mean, we we try to keep records around a half an hour. I feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of the sweet spot where people yeah. don't get bored, but Absolutely. get enough for your money. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where we try and land. I'll tell you what, why don't we spin another one, Neil? Okay. We're, do, we're doing that thing where we, you know, need, need to insert a song. Well, let's play the <laughs> let's play the title track, Blacked Out. So this, yeah. now was this, did this just come out on Flexi, or was this an actual single release, Blacked Out? Because I know it came out before the record, obviously. Yeah, so this was the first single drop, uh, and it is just, it's the Flexi, and then uh, we put two songs on a seven-inch split that came out, but... Uh, I believe that was Way She Goes and Trans Am. Okay, okay, so that's that. Okay, so uh, Blacked Out, what, what is this one about for anyone that hasn't heard it? 
Uh, I mean, Rev would be able to speak more to the lyrical content, but basically it's uh, sort of a travelogue. It's just talking about our experiences, especially touring in Europe over the last year. Okay, let's talk about that when we come back. So, yeah, and this is a, this is a super catchy one. This is uh, Blacked Out, the second one from The Drowns today. blacked out from the drowns uh and hopefully i'll be getting that flexi when i get my copy of the new album on friday hope well hopefully they'll ship it on friday and uh maybe you get really lucky and you get the the uh suzy moon uh border blitz uh flexi well no what actually what pirates press is doing now they actually give you the option of which flexis you if you want a flexi for free you choose uh, which one you want. Like, and that wasn't one of the options. I, I do want that one though. I do want that. That's, it, that's Susie Moon one for sure. It's funny, Andy. We did our when we did our Joy Ramon thing last year. I literally had a bag with over a hundred flexies in it, <laughs> and yeah. we were doing we were doing like the MC, and I'm just I was like Santa Claus with flexies. I was like a parade, <laughs> and I'm just standing out. And some of them, I kept a couple that I think were sort of valuable, but for the most part, or had some value. For the most part, I was just they were given to me by Parts Press, and I just handed them out. But it was it was pretty funny. I wonder how many of them got played. Yeah, I got. But yeah, I was like 
I have about a million charge reflexes. Uh, oh yeah, I think well, I have a, every song. I think must have been on a flex. Like I said, I have that. I have the the, the drowned Susie Moon one, and that's the one that people are going to want to fight over. So that one. So Ballroom Blitz is that one? Yeah. Yep. Excellent. So you know, when you when you get the new record, one thing you'll notice. This is such a like a '70s throwback thing, and I, it maybe even an ACDC thing. I'm not sure, but blacked out is you can't really see the words, but they're raised on the on the album cover. Oh, cool. Is that like an homage to anything specific, or was that like a... It's like Back in Black, I know, did that, right? Uh, yeah, it wasn't necessarily a conscious thing. I think it was... We just wanted something that would be kind of cool packaging-wise. Um, and we just wanted sort of a clean cover. Um, <laughs> how much none, more bla- none, how, none more black. How much more yeah, black exactly. could it be? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, I, like I said, I get ACDC vibes from the raised lettering on the... Because, like I said, that was the original Back in Black record. But also, like, the cover is so neon. It's so, like, unmistakably, like, gaudy 70s, you know, the the way the, yeah. the, new, the, the, way the logo comes out now. Yeah, this is the first one where we actually did the artwork ourselves, where every other record we've kind of hired it out. Hmm. Uh, and that we actually had a sign made, and then that's a photo of the sign. Oh, is that right? So is yep. that like something you're, you'll travel with? You hang up behind you when you play, or is it in your practice uh, think, basement? Or we're gonna have it at the merch booth, I think, for the release show. But we're—I don't think we'll probably travel with it. It's—it's it's pretty delicate. Ah, um, gotcha. but we did make a backdrop of it, so that's what we'll be traveling. Oh, with. that's cool. Okay. So yeah, so, so talking about traveling, um, man, you guys have been in Europe a ton. Uh, yeah. I, that was a conscious decision, I'm assuming. So, what, what's the what's the thinking behind that? But do we need touring Europe so much and not touring the U.S. so much? Um. Well, I mean, part of it is just that we have a, a great agent over there that likes to keep us busy, and so hmm. uh, he just is really good at his job and has us over there a lot. Uh, but also, um, we just get better offers over there as far as festivals. We get a lot of really good festival spots in Europe, and the club shows are always really well attended. Uh, where at home, it's a little bit harder to get people out. So sure. What's your favorite uh, favorite country to play? Mm. Uh, I mean, Germany is really good to us. Uh, there's a lot of really great cities in Germany to play, um, and yeah. Belgium as well. Yeah, we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot about Germany, don't we, Tom? Well, it's just Europe. Europe's Europe likes rock and roll better than the U.S. That's just I think that's all there is to it. Yeah, I hear Sp- I hear Spain a lot too. Like our boys, the Poison Boys, they seem to be yeah, they're in they Spain constant, again, constantly Spain in Spain. Yeah, but I think it must be the same kind of thing. They have a really good promoter who puts on gets a lot of gigs for them in Spain for whatever reason. <laughs> interesting yeah. stuff. So um, you played Rebellion. I know what was he, what was your experience <laughs> like at Rebellion last year? Uh, last year was amazing. Uh, yeah. That was the first year that we've done the Empress Ballroom, the big room, and it was packed wall to wall. So that was pretty insane. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect because we kind of we've done the latter sort of, so to speak, with Rebellion. The first year we did the introducing stage before it was called the introducing stage, uh, and then they put us in the pavilion, which is sort of the center room in the ring. Um, but yeah, the Empress is uh that's the big boy stage so it was, it was intimidating but it was incredible uh with the response was fantastic yeah some of the old man punk groups that were in on facebook there was a lot of uh a lot of good chats going around about you guys so it must have gone down really well because if you could impress some of those old guys that's uh that's, yeah who that's haven't excellent. bought a record since 1979 yeah pretty pretty much yeah <laughs> that's our our bread and butter those old guys <laughs> there you go 
But I see now you're doing a you're doing a U.S. tour coming up here, real pretty quick next month, March. Mm-hmm. Is this your like full first time full cross country tour? No, I know you've it, done some weekends and stuff, but no, it, it'll be our first since 2018, I think. Oh, post COVID, um, first post COVID, okay. Yeah, so on the first record we did. Uh, West Coast leg with Sloppy Seconds, and then we did oh. the East Coast with uh, No Fun at All from Sweden mm. um, and Canada, uh, and a little bit of the Midwest, just to kind of get us through. But this will be uh, our most extensive U.S. tour. How many dates is it? Uh, still working on it. We've got the first half announced, but it'll be pretty much the entire month of March. Okay. Yeah, it's funny, actually, it's almost a year exactly since I saw you guys, because you did yeah. that St. Patrick show with Flatfoot 56, mm-hmm. I think, at Reggie's. And So this yeah. time at, this time at Reggie's, you'll actually be playing the other room. It looks like you play in a smaller room, which I think will be pretty damn cool. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be fun. You're actually just missing, you're just missing Flatfoot by a couple of days, right? They're doing their show on Saturday, I think, and they're coming through on Thursday. Okay, nice. Yeah, hopefully yeah. they'll come and hang out. I love those guys. Well, you'll know if they're there or not, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I think I have. I think we might both have pictures somewhere of uh, opening for Flatfoot Fifty Six in various bands, and it's always funny going up on stage after they sound check because Tobin is like fucking massive, <laughs> ten foot six, yeah, yeah, and all of us are like five foot five. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good show last year, man. That was a really good show because I think it was four bands we had so um mm-hmm. I, I didn't those are it. always those those st patrick shows are always fun man they're south side guys yeah uh, it's a good time yeah it was, it was yeah. a very it was a very angry drunken crowd let me tell you yeah <laughs> yeah considering how mellow they are <laughs> lots of guys in uh lots of guys in hockey jerseys yeah looking for a fight um a classic combination so tell us, I was when I was listening to the album for the first time this morning. I was gobsmacked that you guys do a cover of Dynamite because mm-hmm. that is one of my. I, I love Mud um, and Dynamite and Tiger Feet are my two favorite Mud songs. So I was yeah, like, blown sure. away when I heard you guys do it. Now, what was the what was the thinking behind that? How come you did it? So every record we try and pick a cover that sort of. Um, showcases the direction we want to go with the record and sort of sets the tone and so we had uh, i think three or four i think each member of the band picked a different song uh from that period it was all glam stuff um because part of the deal with ted one of the parameters that he put on all of us was we weren't supposed to listen to anything but 70s glam records for like Ooh. two months while we were writing wow to try and get more of that feel in yeah yeah um and so we definitely listened to a lot of the chin and chapman stuff mm-hmm. um but we're already huge fans of that stuff anyways so um and we had already done sweet so yeah blockbuster yeah Old yeah, and, yeah yeah right well, and we did the slade cover too so yeah mud seemed like the next step well, it's funny because Neil mentioned it. He's like, oh, there's a Mud cover. Mud, I don't think, and you said you really dug into this kind of music, but I don't think they made it over to the States very much. I don't think, I, like, I don't really know Mud. It's a little more obscure. Know the Sweet, of course. No Slate, largely due to the fact that they were covered by a bunch of 80s hair metal bands. <laughs> of my bread butter. Yeah, but, I don't uh, think you're going to see a lot of punk rock bands doing Tiger Feet. No. <laughs> they should, though. 
for God's sake. I wouldn't mind. That's yeah. a fucking awesome <laughs> song. In fact, I'll be looking for that on the next record. Are we going to, is that on the list? Is that on the playlist, Neil? Is the mud cover on the playlist? It is actually. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, Why don't we give that a spin? So, but tell us a little bit about mud. Either one, either one of you. I don't know. Cause I, I don't know much about them. They were contemporaries of sweet and slay, but yeah, they were 70, yeah. 73, 74, 75. They came out. Yeah. Chin and Chapman were doing a lot of the songwriting. Um, I don't know if they wrote all the songs on the. What is Chin and Chapman? Is that is that an outside writing team, or yes. is that two of the guys in the band? No, that was that was a uh, outside writing team. They wrote all of Sweet's hits too, like Blockbuster and Ballroom. Really? were written by them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had no idea. Did they write yeah. any of the um, Bay City Rollers stuff too? Andy, do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I I mean, it would check out. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And they, I mean, they continued to, to be a huge, huge players in the scene for a long time. Like I think, uh, I want to say Chapman produced like the Knack in the mm. 70s as well. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, they were they were a powerhouse as far as songwriting. Sorry if you hear my dogs out there. The man with the dogs. No, that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, so Tom, uh, so it's like every one of those Chin Chapman uh, influenced bands or the, the ones that uh, they used to write songs for. So whether it be Sweet, whether it be uh, Mud, they always had like the effeminate, one of the, like the guitarist on the left would always be super effeminate, super glammed out. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and then and then the, the main guy singing. Um, I, the funny thing about a lot of early 70s glam stuff in England there was a lot of the Teddy Boy look too like there was Shawadi Wadi as well who had done a lot of 50s covers and they would dress very much like like Teddy Boys except they had long hair so it was uh, it was a very interesting period in English music actually because you had that glam thing going on then you also obviously had Bowie and Roxy Music and all this other shit coming out at the same time well yeah but a very different kind of glam right I mean very very different yeah Uh, so it was just a, if you watch a, like a greatest hits thing from the from like seventy three seventy four, it's just all over the fucking place, right? Mm. <laughs> but anyway, it's I'm really since year I was born, man. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that I'm really glad that they're doing that because it was a, it's it's a really really fun record. So let's listen to it. Um, if people haven't heard yeah. it before, this is uh, this is obviously the Drowns doing the cover of Dynamite originally by Mud. Uh, who the hell is that? Oh my god! Dynamite, 
All right, that was dynamite, as covered by uh, by the Drowns on their new record. Um, what other what other glam songs did did you guys have picked out? Like who picked that one out particularly? Was that uh, you, I think, Riff? I think that was Jake actually. Oh wow! Yeah, nice one, Jake. Um, I actually put in. I wanted to do a cover of "Please Don't Touch." Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it was originally Johnny and the Pirates, yep. and then uh, the King one the that Pirates, I, yep. yeah, yeah, and then I brought in the uh, the girls' school Motorhead yes. version, <laughs> and wanted to do something like that. Um, but I'm stoked that Dynamite made the cut. That's it's such a fun song. <laughs> yeah, you guys get a little out of my depth for uh, '70s uh, glam rock. <laughs> I think you damn See, youngster. So, so you have you guys? You guys have gone through a couple of guitar players now in the last couple of years. Yeah. Versus, is it is it a just a logistics thing or is it like a because obviously you you've been a pretty serious change in direction between 2020 and 2022 or 2024 even if it was a long time coming was it like creative differences or was it just didn't work out like no, geographically I, or no it wasn't really any of that there's no like animosity or anything like that i think it's just this is a really it's a difficult life to live sure. being on tour as much as we are um and some people just aren't really built for the road in that way. Yeah. Um, that was certainly the case with Simon leaving. He's, I mean, he's been a musician and touring for a long, long time, but we're all getting older and it doesn't get any easier. Like it's uncomfortable uh, being on the road for as long as we are. Um, so I, I mean, I get it when people just don't really want to commit to that. But this band from day one has said, you know, we're going to take every opportunity we can get. We're going to stay on the road as long as we can. Um, we want to be a workhorse band and just never stop pushing. So if you can't do that, you know, that's cool. But we got to have people that are down to do that. So Simon was was he was he English or Welsh or something? Do I remember that? Do I remember that right? Uh, Simon's actually Irish. Oh, he's Irish. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's from Cork. He did live in London for a good long time, uh, and he played in Wonk Unit for many, oh. many years. Okay. Oh, who you just did, who you did the split with last year? Yeah. Okay. So it, it's funny though because usually the guy you burn out is the drummer. You're kind of fortunate because the drummer, I swear, is the hardest one to replace, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the drummer plays for a long time. Um, we're lucky that Jake is. I mean, he is the professional drummer. That guy has been in so many bands over the years. Oh, yeah. He's been touring steadily since he was 16 years old. So, You know, we we kind of asked Rev about this last time we had him on, and I think he, it might have irritated him a little bit, and I hope it doesn't irritate you. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I mean, you did make a you, – you, the, the sound difference between Lunatics and Under Tension is, is pretty extreme. I mean, it's the same band, and it sounds like – like I said, it actually took me quite a while to get used to it. With the new record, I'm all in. I'm used to the new sound. I think it's amazing. But I kind of struggled with Lunatics because it was so different. Was it – obviously, it had to be a conscious effort, but how is it that you guys were all kind of on the same page with that? That's what I find fascinating. Uh, I mean, it's never really been a super conscious effort other than we never want to make the same record over again. Sure. Um, as far as the jump with Under Tension, uh, I mean, it was a COVID record. So that was the first one that we wrote completely separately. We couldn't really jam you're talking, together. You're talking, lunat you're talking lunatics. Yes. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because Under Tension was like, literally came out in February of 2020. It was the worst 
possible time to like <laughs> drop a record, especially one that strong, right? Absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, we were only able, we had a full year of touring booked around under tension, and we're only able to do about a week on the West Coast before COVID hit. Mm. Um, but during that time where, where everyone was locked down, we all just kind of got our own recording software and and started demoing on our own and just sending it through email so that's how that whole album was written Mm. um but i think as far as like sound i think it it mostly just comes down to whatever we're all listening to in the van kind of seeps in Mm. and we tend to listen to a lot of um a lot of early 70s punk rock and a lot of country a lot of glam so a lot of stuff just kind of seeps in. Um, the jump with Lunatics also, I mean, part of it was we didn't want to do Under Tension Part 2. Sure. Um, and on top of that, like, Under Tension did really well for us, uh, which is awesome. And I love that record. We still play most of that record every show, just because it is kind of the fan favorite. Um, but... After we put that out, a lot of bands kind of jumped into that scene, and it's it's easier to stand out if you're not doing what a lot of your contemporaries are doing, right? Sure. So yeah. we always kind of want to put ourselves aside in whatever that's way we can. That's true. I don't know a lot of other bands off the top of my head, and maybe there's a scene that I'm not even aware of kind of doing what you guys are doing as far as the kind of... Well, just straight rock and roll. I mean, we, we, we love, we always talk about our punk and roll bands, mm-hmm. but most of them are kind of like punk with elements of rock and roll. You guys are kind of more like rock and roll with still, you know, little elements of punk. I'd say there's a well, I'm, a difference there. I mean, about, well, maybe about 10 years ago, there was that band out of, uh, was the it Italian? Judah? Um, yeah, they're still going. Oh, they're still going? Yeah, I mean, they were, yeah, doing, they were doing something kind of similar, right? They were doing yeah, a lot I guess of it was 70s like stompers. Yeah. yeah. They're Italian. Definitely sort of a bobber scene yep. it's pretty small but it's going we're actually playing with judah coming up later this year at the booze and glory anniversary show in london oh that mm. sounds that sounds kick-ass actually that sounds like yeah, the drum- i wonder if the drones are doing or not the drones I wonder if our boy doc rotten are doing that I wonder if they'll be gone by then oh yeah uh, I, I don't think they're on that one they're actually doing the Bulls they're doing the tour yeah, yeah. They, do you hear their new record yet that's a great Great record this year. You should check, check that out. It's definitely classic, just classic punk record. It really yeah, is. I, I have a feeling towards the end, I mean, it's only February, early February, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling it's going to be, for me anyway, it might be you guys and Duck Rotten fighting it out for my album of the year. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> for me, I have, the, I have the piss to that list, man. I love that new piss record. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, Neil, I've been listening to a label mate. Who's a that? label made of Andy's, uh, the Complicators. They like I got a real soft mm-hmm. hard ass punk though, you know, hard, hard punk and hardcore. I was listening yeah. to a bit of that today, Tom. I was on the treadmill and they listened to the Drowns album through, and then I tried yep. the Complicators because you'd been talking about it, and I liked it. It's just his voice wears on me after a while. Yeah, he's got a hardcore voice, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's again that's what that's what I like about this Drowns album is that you know there might be three songs of Rev's you know Rev's voice and then Andy comes in and it's just a nice change of pace. It's uh it's good. Tell me about that song Wheels. Is that a cover or did you write that? No, no, I wrote that one. Um, it's kind of a nod to sort of um, I don't know the sort of classic American idea of getting out of a small town for me it was based on uh, i spent my high school years 
in a very small town in Oregon called Sweet Home. Uh, <laughs> literally just a main street and nothing else. Mm. Like, you know, you could walk across the entire town in an hour. Uh, and so I really wanted to get the hell out of there as soon as possible. So that, that song is sort of that idea of, you know, the uh, the kid straight out of high school just got a car trying to get out of town and finding a girl to take with him. So chatting up the waitress, sort of the idea. <laughs> is that the one that, I'm, I'm sorry, because like I said, I've only listened to it a couple of times. There's one towards the end of the album that's like completely classic power pop. Is, is that the I one? I think that's probably yeah. the one, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, it could, could be the Ruben Ooze or something like that, for God's sakes. It's fantastic. The one that gets stuck in my head is the uh, Trans Amp. Do you want to take a ride? Do you want to take a ride? You talk about a chorus. Holy cow. Yeah. Like yeah, that one was it was really cool because we uh, Ted called up a friend of his who does sort of session work as like a gospel singer. So what, that was one of the things we really wanted to do with this record was to get a good like gospel singer and try yeah. and get some of that sort of uh, gimme shelter kind of feel. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we were just, we were just talking about Wheels. Maybe we should uh, listen to that one, because he just talked it up, too. He told us what it was about, and uh, yeah, classic, classic sounding power pop. This is uh, Wheels by the Drowns. It's after nine on Main Street, where the shutters close at seven, and there's not a decent cop to join for miles. This night is busted at the seams with so much lots of while we just playing coy inside some diner when we open like tops calling out I've got a 69 charger all wrapped up and ready to roll This seat is free let's ride until the wheels come off I'll be a moonlight driver if you're my ride or die girl straight down I'm chasing down a dream before it fades And don't we owe it to ourselves To live a life of true experience And not to waste a second more On things that aren't worth living for I got a 69 Charger All wrapped up and ready to roll This seat is free, let's ride until the wheels come off
Alright. That was, uh, yeah, that was Wheels by the Drowns. I think that's like the, towards the end of the album anyway. So, <laughs> talking about the end of the album. Dude. Oh, dude, this day, yeah, you can't beat that last song, right? That's that's yeah. man, it's it's different, but it, it might be the one of the most powerful songs you guys have ever done. You, oh, yeah, man. tell us, tell us about this one, man. Tell us who, well, it's dude, Neil, it, didn't I, didn't I, last episode, or it was just you and I, didn't I say that the yeah. closing song and that new drowns album? It's 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 it ain't a punk song, that's for sure, but holy cow, anyway, it's clearly by Johnny Thunders, right? Correct, yeah, yeah, born to die, in yeah, that was City. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the last song written for the record. It was written in the studio because um, uh, we Simon was actually in South Africa for the first half of the recording uh, at a family event, and so he flew in towards the end of the record, and that's when we kind of put in the synths and the uh, piano and stuff. And so him and Rev, like Rev, had his his lyrics sort of started. But they really put that thing together over the course of like two days, I think. Hmm. Um, and then we did it one take, just straight. Did you, through. did you did you play the piano? No, that's Simon. Oh, Simon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you said you're a keyboard player. That's why I just it just kind of. So <laughs> I you're said probably not gonna be able to. <laughs> <laughs> so you're probably not gonna be able to pull that one off live, huh? Uh, no, I mean I don't know how that would fit in a set, honestly. So. Well, I yeah, remember th- reading. That's, that's not a party song. It's not if he wanted no, a party but, record. That's not a party one. <laughs> but you know, I remember reading years ago an interview with Gordon Gano from the Violent Femmes. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the first Violent Femmes album, and the producer or somebody told him you should always end your record with a beautiful song. So that first Violent Femmes record, that's like nine of these weird thrashy acoustic songs, and then the last song I think is "Good Feeling," like just this, this mellow, <laughs> mellow kind of ballad, and it just. Uh, I, don't, I thought it worked really well, Neil. You agree, or do you? I mean, it, it, it was just—it's like wow, it was just a, a stark, you know. It's like I said, different than anything you've done, but I, I think it's a great—I think it's a great song. Ultimately, uh, thank it's, you. Stark is a stark is a very good description, uh, but yeah, it's not a—it certainly isn't a party song. That one. Will There's no uh, no auto no auto tune on that thing. No, I mean, it's just raw raw as can be. It sounds like he's crying at the end. Actually, the last chorus or we, something. Yeah, we were all getting a little choked up, honestly. But oh, we we funny. never we don't mess with auto tune. Everything. No, I, I was just—I was just kidding. It's, it's so raw. Like I said, the voice is so raw. So yeah, but, I mean, that's a point of pride for us. Oh no, uh, no, absolutely. A lot of bands do lean on technology a lot, and we really try and go as vintage as we can. No, so, I think that song is going to stop people in their tracks. And like I said, I just think it's—it's—it's it's, it's just a powerful, powerful statement. And I think, you know, it used to be the formula was two rockers, then a ballad, you know, and then two more rockers, and then on side two, you do a rocker and a ballad, you know, there's like, but just to put yeah. it at the very end, I think it would, I don't know if it would work in the middle of a album side. You know what I mean? Well, I, just, I think at the end, it's just, it's just, it just works. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, one, I think it's always good to kind of settle down at the end of a record. You've already taken the ride. This kind of lands you, but also just sonically when you're doing vinyl, um, the less information you have is better at the end of the record because you have um, less space. And so sonically, it just works out better that way as well. Um, I never thought but, of that. Yeah, but we're also just, we're a very vinyl-focused band. A lot of the time when we're picking out the flow of the record, it's going to be based on the A-side, B-side concept. Mm. So. Screw the streamers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, very, 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 very powerful one. It reminded me in a way, um, Tom, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, Andy, I assume you have, the, the Clash movie Rude Boy? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when Joe just starts hammering away on the piano, and I can't even remember what the name of the damn song is, but because it was never really released by The Clash, but he just starts hammering on, away on the piano in the studio and uh, singing some kind of sad song, and it kind of reminded me of that in a way, um, mm. if, if you know what song I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's so, it was a Liberace cover. <laughs> Anything but, because you know how Joe sings. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're definitely we're all Clash fans for sure, but no one more than Rev. That guy is obsessed. <laughs> so, yeah, that definitely checks. So, so the only thing that doesn't work about the song is that mm-hmm. he he died in New Orleans. Yeah, that was the only thing that was like. Well, he was about, born to die it, in New York City. That doesn't yeah, mean he did. Sure, but it was like, is it about Johnny Thunders? And I was like, and then he said Room Thirty Seven. So that's when I knew it was about about Johnny because you don't name check him in the yeah. song, do you? I don't know. No, he named Dee Dee. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, the other thing that's funny, well, or so, so I remember Rev saying he's, he's, he doesn't drink and he hasn't for quite a while, I don't think. And I think he said either hardly anybody in the band drank or mostly, are, are you a drinker, Andy? Or are you one of the teetotalers in the band too? Uh, I'm not a drinker. I'm not sober. Uh, Rev and Jake are both sober dudes. Okay. So you're just not a heavy drinker. You just, once yeah, I've while. never been, honestly. Okay. Um, I mean, I had my, my times in my 20s, but my like the hangovers just got to be too much. So every once, I'll do clear liquors every once in a while um, in like a party setting or something. But sure. uh, generally, I'm more of a, I'm a smoker. Ah, I gotcha. So it, it is funny because I saw it was yesterday was your birthday and I saw, oh man, he's pretty young. Mm. And you are pretty young, but you're but you're not that young to be living in a van. You know what I mean? It's like, I imagine it does sort of get sleeping on people's floors and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm young in human years, but I'm old as fucking rock and roll years. Okay. There you go. <laughs> He's old in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you look better than Mick Mars. That's all that really matters, right? You don't have that curvature of your spine thing. Fucking <laughs> low bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty hard. Uh, Tom, where, where I thought you were going with that, Tom, was you're like, yeah, they're they're all uh, teetotalers or whatever. But there's a lot of songs about cocaine on this record. Well, I noticed. Well, that, that was the other thing because it was a party record. There's, uh, you know, there's the ketamine and cola, and there's the uh, there's definitely some songs about getting another round. You know, so yeah. Well, and some of that is obviously looking back on on previous years of partying. Sure, um, but also. A lot of what I tried to do and what Rev was doing as well with this record is trying to be less uh, writing just about ourselves and more doing character study kind of stuff. Gotcha. So, like, um, uh, you know, I've got songs about uh, that guy in the bar that's just kind of annoying everybody, mm-hmm. just being mm-hmm. a loudmouth asshole. Yeah. So I've got that song. You know, Rev's got his sort of shit-talking song on there as well. Yeah, Chancer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Um, so I believe I don't know if you even know this, but I believe before the show in Chicago, we're all going record shopping. Did had you heard this? Yes. Yeah, we're very excited about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were yeah, talking Al- about the logistics last night, actually. Yeah. So yeah. Where's Al- he going to take? Where's he going to take him? Is he going to take him somewhere downtown or somewhere out in the sticks? I actually suggested that we're going to go to Rattleback, which is on the north side. 
which is one of the newer record stores. Um, okay. But it's a big, it's a it's a great record store. So I think awesome. we'll, I think we'll have a lot of What's fun. What's it called? Rattleback. 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 Yeah. I've never heard of it. You've never taken me there yet. I haven't taken you there yet because it's in. Uh, it, yeah, it, it it doesn't really fit in with the areas that we're normally in in Chicago. Like it's close. Okay. It's closer to where I live, actually. Funnily enough, but um, yeah, mm. I think it'll be good. That'll, that'll be a fun afternoon. I think I'm taking the day off. Uh, so maybe we'll go there that Sunday when I'm up there. Yeah, yeah. Rattleback's good. What kind of stuff are you going to look for? You think? Oh, I don't know, man. I'm a crate digger. I kind of like to just yeah, yeah. I'm big on just going through the used section and finding all the good old stuff. Um, partly because the price is better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But also, I mean, that's just the stuff I want. You know. I'm always looking for 70s stuff, particularly lately, the kind of rock pile crew. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, Dave Edmonds and uh, mm-hmm. Nick Lowe. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, well, did you did you do a lot of that when you were in England? Did you go to, uh, what was what was your favorite town to go record shopping in in England? Uh, we didn't do much in England. We had a lot of driving to do. Ah. Um, it's harder in Europe because I try not to buy too much vinyl it's oh you gotta to bring it back get it back <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was say, how you get it home shit yeah yeah i forgot about that yeah but we did do a really cool we went to this really small shop in sweden uh our buddy kind of resells vinyl and so he brought some stuff for us to the show and then he took us to this really really small uh spot that just had a little bit of vinyl a lot of video games and books and, and stuff like that but i was able to find I think the first three sweet records. Hmm. Um, I just got a ton of really cool stuff over there. Um, but yeah, u- usually I try not to to travel back with too much vinyl. But if I find it, I, it's coming home. Do you? Uh, th- does, is, is, I know pirates prints, you know, presses in and uh, I don't know in Europe somewhere in Eastern Europe. Do you? Czech Republic. Do they do they send your stuff to you when you're over there? You're not bringing all your merch and all that crap over. Do they or do you have to bring it from bring it with you? Uh, we usually we have flown a ton of it over there previously, and now we try and keep a stockpile in Germany. Huh. Like your buddy's garage, or how do you do that? No, so we have this company that we work with. It's just a family that runs it. Um, out of Eisenhutenstadt in eastern Germany, called Town Records. Yeah, I was going to say, man. <laughs> there won't be a quiz on this later, will there? <laughs> All right. um, but Steeltown Records does so much for us over there. Uh, mm. Part of that is that they print merch for us over there as well, so we don't gotcha. have to bring T-shirts any of that over. It. We just have yeah. to bring vinyl. Uh, mm. But they do everything. They tour manage us. They drive. They mm. sell merch. They do everything that we need. Now, when it, when it comes to the back line and stuff, are you guys taking stuff over there, or do you have stuff over there already waiting for so you? Steel Town has a back line, but we've been slowly building our own back line over there as well, hmm. Uh, hmm. especially since getting the Marshall endorsements. And, um, yeah, so now we, we try and, and keep consistent with that. Yeah, tell us a bit about the Marshall endorsement. That seems like a huge deal. Yeah, so um, Simon helped us set that up. Uh, he used to work for Focusrite, and so he knew a lot of the guys that way. And when he joined the band, he reached out to our friend Stephen Steph Carter from the Gallows, mm-hmm. who works for Marshall at the at at the moment uh, and has for for quite a while. Um, and so he reached out to their team and uh, hooked us up with that. We went and did a, a session 
at the uh, Marshall Studios on the last tour that recently came out and got to meet all those guys. Hmm. Um, but yeah, and they, they, I think they just like what we're doing and uh, decided to help us out. That's cool. Yeah, and I love I love gals. What happened to them? Are they done? Yeah, I think the brothers just fought a lot. They did the, they did the they did the two albums with the Canadian singer, of course, mm-hmm. which were decent. They weren't as quite the same, but huh? Yeah, I think Frank is just focused on his solo stuff. Mm. That sucks. So I always get confused between Gallows and Goddamn Gallows. Two different bands, well, right? Goddamn Gallows are from Gallows. Michigan. Yeah, they're from Michigan. Okay, they're kind from of. Detroit, Michigan area. Yeah, yeah, you think? Uh, Mikey's in <laughs> Chicago at the moment. I see him bar. He once in a while when we're at Reggie's, he's the bartender. You might see him while you're at Reggie's. Yeah, they started in Portland, I believe. Uh, Did they? I thought they started in Detroit. the The band has changed a lot since I probably first saw them six or eight years ago. I think it's only Mikey and I don't know how many other guys are left from the. A lot of them have kind of have pretty good solo careers in that weird Americana. Yeah, I think. Mikey, Jake, and Baby G are all still in it, as far as oh, Jake still in the band. Okay, I didn't realize that. Okay, yeah, huh. yeah. He was at the upstairs bar, Neil. Last time we were at Reggie's, I think. Oh, was that was right? One of the, not the not the short, angry little dude who was playing all the boy <laughs> stuff the other day. He's okay. kind of a short, little, angry dude too. He's nice. He's a nice guy. He's a little, a little rough, a little rough around the edges, but he's all right. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Uh, so I'll tell you what, we better play new song, yo. All right. So yeah, we were just talking about the. Uh, not doing any drugs or drinking and stuff, so let's play ketamine and cola. <laughs> this is one of this is one of uh, Rev's songs, right? Yes. Okay, so yeah, second song on the record, ketamine and cola. Lost in violent youth, still as folks are sniffing glue. I ain't like you. No, I ain't like you. Throwing up for forty years. Grown and stopped with fear Can't stand the truth Can't stand the truth Feel like I'm shaking from within Just need a little medicine To get me through To get me through Cause I need Ketamine and cola to mellow me out These walls are closing in And I can't get out When I close my eyes Yeah. 
Ketamine and cola. Ketamine? Ketamine. Ketamine, I guess. That's become a big become a big deal over the last five years, I guess. I didn't even know what the fuck it was until my daughter told me what, what it was. It's like a pet tranquilizer or something, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. It was club drug? It was a horse tranquilizer initially. There you go. And now they're doing ketamine treatments for depression and stuff. So I saw that. That Wasn't that with Matthew Perry, the guy from Friends? They found that in his system. He was doing like a ketamine thing, I think. Or so, I, I don't know. Anyway. Was that when he drowned in his bathtub? Yes, it was a hot tub. Mm. It was a hot tub. Oh, well. Too soon. Too soon. Is it? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. Actually, it's it's so funny. Big Friends family? It sort of caused a shitstorm because now my wife is rewatching Friends. I'm like, ah. Find myself laughing at it, feeling sort of shameful. But, um, yeah. Whatever. Dang it, I had a, I had a thought too, and I lost it. Now. Yeah, of course you did. Tell me about the Adamant poster behind you. Are you excited about Adamant touring this this March? Oh, I would be if I could go. Oh, that uh, sucks. You'll be on yeah. the road. Yep. I know. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I did get to see him a few years ago. He came and played in Seattle doing the uh, the Kings sort of anniversary. Yep. I saw that too. Uh, yeah, oh, so good. It was. Totally, mm. Yeah, well, I mean, and he does over two hours. That's what fucking mm-hmm. kills me. It is. I mean, you know, what is he? Sixty-three, maybe something like that. Sixty. What's it's amazing to me, Neil, is that he does he does two hours and you stay. Usually, you're like you're a half hour. The headliner, you're out of there. Well, because you know, yeah. Well, he comes on early. He comes on on time, right? He comes on at seven or eight or something, and he's done by ten. It's all good. You know, it's funny. Yesterday, I had my wife and I had to work on our tax stuff. It's way too complicated, of course. And it took, I don't know how long it took, but I put on that Adamant CD that I have, Antics in the Forbidden Zone. It must be like 21 songs or something. Mm-hmm. And we listened to the whole thing through. And then, of course, at one point, they got, you don't drink, you don't smoke. It's like that Goody Two Shoes comes Goody, on. That was a like a minor song. hit when I was a kid. I don't know. I think it's sort of annoying. That's a fun but anyway, song. it's it's interesting. Interesting band. So he's. Because he, I was so, reading about them because like, when they first started, they were like a weird S&M thing or something indeed they were yeah 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 (laughs) so so the drowns play on the 7th of march and i think adam ant plays here on like the 16th or something like that he's playing with the english beat so it's gonna that's gonna be a fun show yeah and he's 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 doing kings again as well he's doing kings of the well frontier again frontier yeah Yeah, alan alan was trying to talk to dr disc who you'll meet who you'll meet here when we uh when you do your record shopping from goldmine he's trying to get me to go down he's got an extra ticket but it's like midweek man it's real difficult real difficult yeah, it's, so. an, it's at an all-seated theater this time, too, so that's going to be a little bit weird. What, what I thought was absolutely amazing... I'm sorry, we've gone down an adamant rabbit hole here, but... Oh, I'm uh, fine do, with that. Do you, <laughs> do you remember his, his drummers? He has that one female... I don't know if he has two female drummers or if it was just one, but the one had, like, a blonde beehive. And she, mm. she looked fantastic from start to finish. And I don't know how a drummer could have a blonde beehive and mm. still be, you know... It's killer. No idea, man. Yeah. yeah, they were fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got a really good band going for him right now. Yeah. Or at least he did when I saw him. Yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. So, Tom, what so you guys are going on? You guys are going on tour. 
Mm-hmm. Got your new album recorded. Did you do a bunch of extra songs for splits and stuff? Is there other? I mean, you did the dozen songs. I mean, are there other songs still coming, or are you uh, uh, going to sit on the album for a while? Yeah, no, not. We didn't do anything else for that batch. We everything we recorded is coming out on the record. We're working on writing some new stuff now that we're going to try and record sometime this year. Hmm. We always try and keep something our in our back pocket. Sure. Well, and I, yeah, it was you know last year. Obviously, like I said you had the splits. I kind of strung people strung people along and i think i think pirates is really good about that kind of yeah. always keeping new material out to keep you interested in the band nothing worse than you know there's a couple records i heard at the end of last year or this year one being the complicators where i heard their first couple eps but that was like four years ago that's a long time to go without hearing anything from a band so yeah good to keep yourself out there so yeah, we I- try and release something every year yeah actually what i wanted to ask um with the amount of touring that you do how do you fit that in with a regular a regular nine to five or whatever? Because I assume I assume you have a job outside of the band. So how, how does how do you fit that I in? Um, I was really lucky in that the guy that hired me is also a musician and kind of knows the life. But mm. going into it, I told him in the interview process that that this was part of my life. Like I'm going to be gone very likely half the year, at least. Um, and so if he he didn't want that on his plate then don't hire me Mm -hmm. Uh, that's kind of just how you have to function Um, so I work a construction job when I'm at home Mm -hmm. and that just allows me to work when I'm around and then if I'm not around then they just continue doing the projects without me there you go man it gives you that blue collar credibility too right a working (laughs) working man credibility it gives me a paycheck is what it does (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) yeah for sure and and then the other question I have um, so when you you set me the mp3s and it looks like they were the original masters, whatever. I'm sure they, they were the ones that were used on the record. Mm-hmm. But they're dated from July last year. So even though it's a new album for the rest of us, for you guys, these songs are actually six months old already. So is that a problem for you when you're out playing live and stuff? Or does it does it still seem fresh? No, I mean, it's fine. We, we actually recorded it a year ago. Hmm. Uh, so we were in the studio literally this time last year hmm. um but we also i mean we try not to play anything until it's been released mm-hmm. so we don't we don't really road test stuff too much uh so that did keep it fresh we're sort of just relearning all of the songs now getting ready to go into the next touring cycle yeah are you gonna be playing a lot of songs off the new record when we see you in in march uh yeah we'll do probably Three or four songs off the new record, a bunch of stuff off of Under Tension. We like to do a little bit off of uh, all of the records if we can, and then a few of the singles here and there as well. That's cool. And then when it comes to when it comes to the bands that are touring with you, is that your choice or is that the choice of the venue or how does that work? Uh, it kind of depends. Uh, I know we're doing a stretch of shows with our friends uh, Michael Kane and the Morning Afters on the East Coast, hmm. um, and we reached out to them for that. Um, and a lot of the time we'll we'll put in names that we want to try and get um to our agent and then hope that it works out but a lot of the time it is just kind of up to the venues hmm. yeah because one of the bands you're playing with in chicago is Capcom heroes who i, I love they're good friends of ours so yeah yeah the show before they're they're really good so yeah i'm just really looking forward to that day it's gonna it's gonna be a fun day i mean hopefully the weather yeah hopefully the weather is good and uh it's not snowing or some shit because it's early march so it could be but <sighs> yeah we really lucked out on this last run i mean we we 
caught just the tail end of a snowstorm in Oregon on our way out to California for the last run of dates. And uh, as we were going through just past Portland, uh, we were going down the freeway and there was at least six semi trucks all overturned ah, on the side of the road from the ice storms. Yeah, it was brutal over here. Hmm. Tom, I don't know. Do you, what else do you have, buddy? Or should we let should we let Andy? You know, I, I think I think we're probably good. I wanted to say thanks again, Andy. Like I said, I asked him originally four years ago, and he kind of deflected to Rev. But I kind of got the impression over the last couple of years that he's gotten more comfortable with this uh, kind of thing. I assume this the publicity part is not your favorite thing to do, Andy. Uh, I don't mind doing it. It's just that most people tend to want to talk to Rev. He's a very outgoing sort of guy. He's, yeah, well, he's I think a fun interview. That's, that's the yin and yang, maybe of you two, right? You're kind of the mellow dude, and he's kind of the uh, the uh, little more outgoing. So you kind of need that balance, right? Yeah, he's definitely the the extrovert. I'm for sure the introvert. You know, <laughs> where, where he was sort of the gregarious, everybody's party buddy in high school. I was definitely the weird poet kid in the in the corner writing poetry. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> Rev is, well, I, Rev is John Lennon and Andy is George Harrison. Like I said, I'm, I'm bummed. I think I'm going to miss you again when you're in Chicago. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Detroit is a small possibility, but I got a lot going on that following weekend. There that weekend, so we'll, yeah, we, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's funny. We had nothing in fe- there's nothing in February at all, and then there's a shit ton of stuff happening in March. That's the way it always works out. Either either there's two shows or there's no show. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like there's never it's yeah. never a nice. Like just give me something every two weeks, just enough to nurture me. I, I, actually, I did have I did have uh, one last question to ask. So when you were in when you were in England for, for Rebellion last year, um, did you did you just do your gig and then split, or did you manage to stick around for a couple of days? And if so, who was the favorite band that that that, that you saw at a Rebellion? Uh, well, last year we actually were able to plan it out, so we got to be there for the the whole thing. Oh, cool. So yeah. So who who did you enjoy seeing over there? Um. Ooh, there were so many good bands. I finally got to see Bad Manners. That was awesome. Hmm. They don't really come over here too often. Right. Um, I think my favorite might have been Ruts DC. They were really hmm. great. Hmm. Um, and the Rosillos were also fantastic. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that. That yeah, probably went down well, I would imagine. Yeah. That's cool. Got to have a little chat with Eugene. Very, very intelligent. Oh, that's cool. Guy. Hey, Neil, you know what we should do? What should we do? Since I know Andy's been with us for a long time, it might be time to break out the old classic question. Finish with the old classic question that we haven't done for a long time. This is a throwback. The Johnny, Johnny, Johnny question. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you probably know the question, Andy, already. Uh, Johnny Ramone, Johnny Thunders, or who was the, th- he was the third one? Johnny Rotten. Johnny Rotten. Well, it has been too long since we pulled that out. We were pulling that out almost every episode for a we while. Were, we were. We were. Biggest, biggest <laughs> influence. So if you had to pick one, who would you pick? And why? Ooh. Probably Johnny Thunders. Hmm. Yeah. There's no wrong answer. That's the thing with this question, right? Yeah, they're all good. Yeah. Yeah. I can see yeah, that style-wise with what you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just a solid rock and roll guy. But also, like, I'm a huge Stiv guy, and he did some stuff with him as well. So. True. Right. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Well, I was going to say, just talking of Johnny, is it okay? Can we play out with the Born to Die in uh, NYC song? Does that work? Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, okay, sure. Cool. All right. So, well, we'll say goodbye. Oh, uh, where can people find you, Andy, if they want to buy T-shirts or if they want to buy vinyl, etc.? Et oh, yeah, yeah. We should help you promote. Yeah. Where can they buy stuff? Uh, so we just, for this record, launched 
thedrownsrock.com, so you can order uh, the vinyl of the new record there. You can get t-shirts there as well. Or for any of our back catalog stuff, go to piratespressrecords.com. You got all the social media stuff. Yep. Yeah, the drowns are on on all that stuff. Do you, you do that stuff, or does Rev do that stuff, or do you have an unpaid intern that does all that stuff? Who does that <laughs> for you? Uh, if you're messaging any of the uh, socials, it's going to be Rev. Okay. Cool. Thank you for well, coming on, man. I yeah, thank thanks, you for man. coming nice on. Talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to be here, man. And uh, it's it's just you know it's funny you know you're you're the it was your second record obviously you know came out right around the time when we started doing this podcast we really uh, you know we really grabbed onto it and it's just it's good timing man i feel like we've had a like a four-year uh, sort of you know relationship here and it's nice to finally meet you like i said even though i'm gonna miss you in chicago i think so yeah man it's great talking with you great yeah you too thank you and, so uh, much yeah, good luck hey man good yep. luck with the tour good luck with all the stuff i uh i'm sure we'll catch up again because it sounds like you guys aren't slowing down anytime soon so yeah definitely not keep in touch man see you in a few weeks see you in a few weeks and uh yeah everybody keep a little mark in your heart stay free we'll see you later thanks Andy bye yeah thanks see ya born in Queens the shortstop king I traded diamonds for the film or east St. Peter come meet me halfway says it's fair play They don't know the secrets I have They don't know how sick I am Cocaine and LSD This life will be the death of me Born to die in New York City Born to die City, born to die in New York City. All right, all right. Don't think I'll make it home tonight. That horse won't let me ride. Only thing on this one track mind, I can't kick it. I tried. Seven is the end of me. One last run will set me free. I'm sorry, I didn't have more to say. Never wanted to be old anyway. Born to die in New York City. Born to die in New York City. Born to die. Okay, that brings us to the end of another show. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Remember, keep a little mark in your heart, and we'll be back the same mark time, same mark channel. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Ah, <laughs> ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. What a fucking rotter. What a load of old shit. Thank you, fuck you, bye, boom.